Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here, and I am happy to be sharing with you uh, this week's sermon. We launched our new sermon series called Autumn Reflections as we are taking time to reset and to reflect and to really prepare ourselves for all that is to come for the rest of the year and into the future. Uh, we drew from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. Uh, check it out. You know, like many of you, I imagine these past 18 months have been, for me, some of the hardest months. As a country, as a community, we've been navigating this global pandemic together, trying to keep each other safe, uh, wearing masks, uh, getting vaccinated, caring for one another in new and creative ways. But it's been hard. It's been really hard. Uh, for me, uh, one of the challenges has been finding rhythm and then having to refine rhythm at every new season. And these seasons seem to change and arrive faster and more often than they used to. Uh, for example, uh, at the start of the pandemic, back uh, March of last year, Joanne and I, we were both working with the kids both at home. And then a few months later, one went to preschool. And then one went to daycare, and then that was just in time for the summer when everything had to change. And then in the blink of an eye, the, the fall came, and our oldest started kindergarten online all day, then in person half the day, except for Wednesdays, which was still all online. And then just last month, we, he started first grade, all in person, and, and that meant that Joanne and I, we had to adjust our schedules again. Uh, we had to make time for breakfast and lunch bags, drop off and pick up. And I think it's been similar for our church community. We, we, we moved to this all online experience starting March of 2020, and we've navigated the slow reopening of our building, and, and we've introduced this hybrid and this online and in-person gatherings, and, 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 and then through it all, it's been transition after transition after transition. I, I think I have been feeling more of these transitions these days than when I've been seeing the leaves change. And you saw some of that in our scripture today. They, they say that these leaves that change color, they're, they're a sign of life happening. They tell the stories of the seasons and the, and the seasons that came and the seasons to come. The colors are, are indicators of the amount of moisture and humidity and, and heat and frost. And these same colors, they, they show signs of the preparation for the future as well. And so today we're going to start this uh, autumn reflection series. And we're going to look at the stories that we tell. Uh, today is going to be the first of three sermons. And we're going to walk through First Timothy. And we're going to reflect on the life of our community. And we're going to prepare for all that is ahead together. But as we, as we think about First Timothy, we, we, it's just some background. We don't know too much about First Timothy. There's, there's enough scholarship that goes both ways. Some say that this letter was written in the mid-60s CE. And others say it was all the way up to the beginning of the second century. And so, so we're not really sure who wrote it. Uh, it could have been Paul if it was in the early 60s. It could have been a student of Paul or a member of that community if it was later. And the same way that the intended recipient or recipients of the letter is, is also unclear. Because while it was addressed to this, word, this name Timothy, some say it was addressed to a specific Timothy, or others say it was kind of allegorical, right? The Timothy that we all are. Either way, uh, the letter's pretty clear. 
It wasn't intended for just the eyes and ears of one person alone. Throughout the text, you'll see that uh, the you that, that the author uses is actually plural. And so it's, it's y'all, right? As, as, as uh, the author directs the community, y'all do this. Y'all live like this. And so, so it's for the whole church. It's for the community gathered. It's for those who are trying to live this faithful life of discipleship. And so, so 1 Timothy, it starts with this warning, and it talks about false teachers and how there are those who try to lead God's people who miss the mark. And then we get to the text that we read this morning because the author brings it back to Paul's story. And so remember, before becoming Paul, he, he was Saul, Saul of Tarsus, and he grew up a Jew in Gentile territory. He, he took his faith very seriously, and then he went on to study under some of the most prominent Jewish scholars of the time. He becomes a Pharisee, uh, which means he, he's tasked to keep the institution uh, safe and powerful, and, and some say to keep the institution from changing. And we, we, we see him throughout Scripture holding the cloaks of those who are stoning Stephen. We see him uh, persecuting and dragging men and women to jail. And, and we see him later on the way to Damascus, and he's going to bring these uh, believers, these followers of the new way back to Jerusalem to stand trial because of how fast this is growing. And as he does so, the skies open up and a light flashes. And he's knocked from the horse and he, he hears this voice that says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? For three days, he waits. And he waits for a man named Ananias who comes and restores his sight. He, he waits for this man, Ananias, to come and to lay hands on him. And, and, and in doing so, Saul is welcomed into the community. Saul is then launched to go forth and do the ministry that God calls him to in all the world. So turn back with me. We're going to go to verses 12 and 13 and focus on those today. It says, I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. Here's the thing. When Paul is anointed and appointed to God's service, as Paul is named and tapped and tasked to be the person that we know of him to be today, it wasn't as if his past suddenly went away. It wasn't as if his life completely started over from that day on the road to Damascus. No, Paul's life happened. His past happened, and it remains part of his story. And Paul understands this. Because he understands as, he, as he's writing this, and I say Paul, the author understands this because his past is more than a series of, of missteps. Uh, that it's more about reflecting the depth of God's love and mercy. And, and get this, Paul tells the story in this letter not because he feels guilty and not because he feels some sense of misguided honor, like, oh, look at me. He, he tells the story because it's part of his unfinished story moving on. 
See, holding our pasts, keeping our past to ourselves traps us there and it prevents us from moving forward towards God's preferred future and we stay stuck, stuck in guilt, stuck in shame, even stuck in hopelessness. And I wonder if there are portions of your stories that need telling. And let me say this, this this isn't about airing out dirty laundry. It's, It's not about glossing over the pains and hurts and mistakes of the past. That takes intentional work. And I invite you and encourage you to do that holy work, right? But this, what we're talking about here is, is, is about coming to a healthy understanding that our pasts are part of our unfinished stories. This week I, I just finished a, an audiobook. Um, it's called Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents. It's by Isabel Wilkerson, and it's, it's this brilliant book. It, it explores uh, America through the lens of a caste system, right? This rigid hierarchy of ranking human beings. Uh, I, I think it's a must-read. I highly recommend it. it. It both challenged me, and it offered me a new way of thinking about race and equity. But, but as we get to the end of the story, it's a you know, thick book, and as we get to the end of the book, Wilkerson, she, she writes about uh, this, this man, his name is Nigel Dunkley. And Dunkley, he, he was a former British officer, and he's now a historian of Nazi Germany. And, and Wilkerson visits Germany, and, 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 and she's on this tour with, with Dunkley, and, and they're driving along a curve of what's left of the Berlin Wall. And as they're driving, Dunkley is pointing to the various memorials. And he says something like this. He says, we have a memorial to everyone victimized by the Nazis. There's a memorial to homosexuals who perished. There's a memorial to the Sinti and the Roma. We have lesser memorials to lesser groups. And then we have stumbling stones. Apparently, as you walk through the streets of the cities of Europe, there are more than 700,000 of these stumbling stones that have been forged and placed throughout. These stumbling stones are these, these micro-memorials of, of discrete uh, brass squares about the size of your palm, and, and they're embedded along the cobblestones in front of houses and apartment buildings where, where victims whose names are inscribed in them of the places where they have known to last live before being abducted by the Gestapo. Here lived Hildegard Blumenthal, born 1897, deported 1943, died in Auschwitz, and so forth. And she later writes that this history of Nazi Germany is a mandatory part of every school curriculum, even for grade school students, and and there are reminders everywhere. She writes, that is not to say that everyone is in agreement as to the lengths to which the country goes to reinforce this history, but what seems not in contention is the necessity of remembering. 
What seems not in contention is the necessity of remembering. When, when Dunkley, that, that historian we're talking about, he, when he takes his German students on tours of the history, he, he gets their reactions and he invites them to reflect and to, to, to critically think of what they saw, what they heard, and he says, hey, do you as Germans feel any guilt for what the Germans did? And on one occasion, he says, these students went off into these subgroups and they had these debates and they were having these uh, really just high-powered conversations and, and it was time for them to come back into the big group and report back. And, and here's what one student said. They said, yes, we are Germans and Germans uh, perpetrated this. And though it wasn't just Germans, it is the older Germans who were here who should feel guilt. But we were not here. We ourselves did not do this. But we do feel that as the younger generation, we should acknowledge and accept the responsibility. And for the generations that come after us, we should be guardians of the truth. The stories that we tell are crucial to shaping our narrative. They're crucial to recognizing and knowing what has come before in order to be propelled into the future. Remember, go back to verses 12 and 13. The point of this text is not that Paul was formally a persecutor, not that he was formally a man of violence. The point is that Paul is grateful to Christ who strengthened him and appointed him for service. The story didn't end back then. And the story is not done even now. But the story is continuing to be told. The story is left unfinished and we get the opportunity to partner alongside what God is already doing as we move towards God's preferred future. And so what stories will you tell? What stories will you tell of your life, of our community, of our church? What stories will we reflect upon? Will we shape as our narratives? What will we carry with us as things that have happened so that we might then live fully into where God is leading us? What stories do you have to tell? Let's pray. God, we uh, give you thanks for this time together, for an opportunity to be together, to be gathered in community, to be with each other online and in person. We thank you for this time, for this moment. And we pray that we may have the courage and boldness to tell the stories of our past, that we might name and acknowledge them so that we can also acknowledge the good work that you are doing in us and through us, and that we might partner alongside you in all the work that you are already doing. Make us bold, for it is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, that was the first sermon of our Autumn Reflections series. Uh, tune in again next week as we continue the series uh, Reimagining Prayer 
all under the theme of how we reflect on how the stories we tell challenge us and inspire us uh, to live into God's preferred future. Uh, Stick around also for this week, we'll drop another episode of Vatha Amplified as we continue to see how we can experience life and do life through a lens of faith. Have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.